0: Welcome to today's episode of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. I'm Letitia Gonzalez, Senior Editor of Markets. With cool mornings and mild afternoons across most of the country, even here in Houston, I thought now would be a good time to take a look at where the gas market is ahead of winter and what things NGI and myself will be monitoring as the season gets underway. Now I'll take you through a crash course of What's happened in the U.S. gas market over the past couple of months? Then we'll get into where the market stands today, and we'll take a look at prices, demand, production, and as one of our sources recently called it, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. That's storage. Finally, we'll get into where things are heading for the winter There's been no shortage of analyst forecasts trying to figure out where things are going to be this winter, how things are going to unfold. But at the end of the day, there are several factors that need to come together in order for those projections to come true. So first, let's hit rewind and take a look back at where the gas market has been since the last time I hosted NGI's Hub & Flow podcast two months ago. So back in August, the gas market was giving off some mixed messages on One hand, the U.S. had just come out of an extremely hot July. We had several states record their hottest July on record, and power burns were really strong. Now, that heat continued into August, keeping residential and commercial demand pretty strong throughout that month as well you also had lower production. Um, US dry gas output was sitting just below 90 BCF per day, which this is well off the highs that we saw in November of 2019. Um, Back then we saw output hit 96.5 BCF per day on average. So those were some of the more supportive factors that we saw circulating in the gas market. But on the flip side of that, You also had continued weak global demand as a result of COVID-19. As you all know, COVID-19 really brought economies around the world to a near standstill. So after a mild winter in some of our key export markets like Asia and Europe, that meant that storage inventories overseas were quickly refilling and lessen the need for U.S. gas, which we export in the form of liquefied natural gas. Now, in fact, July was the lowest demand period for U.S. LNG, and as my colleague Jameson Coughlin has reported in NGI's latest publication, LNG Insight, some 45 U.S. LNG cargoes were canceled that month. Now by August, we started to see some slight improvement on the LNG front, but the number of cargoes that were canceled was still significant and feed gas demand remained low, averaging only 3.7 BCF per day. Now that's actually 19% higher than we saw in July, but when you consider that export capacity at that time was actually closer to nine BCF per day, then it's easy to see just how significant these cargo cancellations were for the U.S. market. But we were starting to see rising export demand. Um, Momentum was starting to build, and it appeared that perhaps the worst was behind us, and the U.S. was on track to see higher feed gas deliveries going forward. But, of course, that was until Hurricane Laura slammed the Gulf Coast on August 27th. Laura was a category 4 storm and it was heading right towards Louisiana. So, ahead of the storm, a few days before landfall, both Sabine Pass and Cameron LNG shut down operations at their terminals. Now, I should mention that these projects are designed to withstand category 5 storms and neither facility sustained any significant damage from Laura. But while Sabine passed resume production just a few days later, Cameron remained offline due to widespread power outages. The local utility in Louisiana had to rebuild a lot of the transmission infrastructure throughout the state. And it wasn't until September 27th, exactly one month after Laura made landfall that Cameron was finally able to resume production. Without this key outlet for supplies and then, of course, demand starting to wane in the U.S., both because of the storm and just because a lot of that core summer heat was now in the rearview mirror, our own storage inventories continued to fill at a much faster pace than normal. At the end of August, total working gas in U.S. storage stood at 3.5 TCF, which was 13% more than the five-year average, according to the EIA. So what did this mean for price? Well, in August, we saw Henry Hub spot gas prices averaging $2.30 per MMBTU, which is actually $0.50 more than where prices averaged in July. Now we're here sitting at the beginning of October. So where are we now? Well, we're still seeing some mixed messages in the U.S. gas market, but now they've kind of flipped, at least when it comes to demand. Now, I mentioned earlier in my introduction that this is really a time of year where it's one of the lowest points of the year for the gas market. There's not a lot of widespread heat, and if there's any cold at all, it's really a northern or central U.S. event, and it's certainly not long-lasting. But, and this is an important but, LNG demand is climbing. As of this week, LNG feed gas demand has reached close to 8 BCF per day. And that's without Cameron even reaching its full design capacity and Cove Point undergoing its planned fall maintenance. Now, by the middle of the month, Cameron is supposed to be back at full capacity and the maintenance over at Cove Point should be completed. So, again, these are very supportive factors for LNG demand, but, you know, this is 2020. And so if that tells you anything, that means that we've got another hurricane that's turning towards the Gulf of Mexico as I'm talking right now. And we're hoping that it spares our Gulf Coast facilities right now. The National Hurricane Center is saying that Hurricane Delta is forecast to hit Louisiana by early Saturday. The track right now looks to put the storm's landfall east of both Cameron and LNG. But as with any storm, that track could change. And any westward shift in the forecast track could mean that we see yet another drop in feed gas deliveries to those terminals whether they be temporary or more long-term in nature. We're still a few days out from the storm as of this recording, so we don't know yet how that will actually play out. Let's give the gas market a break though and say that Cameron and the other Gulf Coast facilities are spared and feed gas demand keeps growing from here. That should certainly help our storage situation. U.S. stocks ended September with more than 3.8 TCF in storage. That's 12% above the five-year average, and it really was a record for that time of year. We still have a few more weeks left um, remaining in the traditional injection season. That ends October 31st, and the market isn't quite sure where inventories will be sitting at that time. For its part, the EIA said stocks will likely exceed 4-TCF by then, and several other analysts that we've talked to have said the same. There are some that are calling for sub-4-TCF stock levels, thanks to the expected return of Cameron and Cove Point, not to mention some early cold snaps that may limit builds in the coming weeks but you know no matter how you slice it that's a whole lot of gas that needs to get worked through in order to prevent containment next year so that brings us to where the gas market is heading this winter and what our sources and analysts are saying since we're talking about storage we'll start there in its latest short-term energy outlook that was released this past Tuesday the EIA said that because natural gas production is expected to be lower this winter versus last winter, inventory draw should outpace the five-year average during the heating season. Um, They're calling for stocks at the end of March to be at 1.7 TCF, which would be 6% lower than the average over the past five years. Meanwhile, LNG feed gas volumes in the U.S. are also expected to return to pre-COVID-19 levels by November. So this is significant, and we've also got a couple of new production units online on a year-over-year comparison. We've got Cameron online, their final train. All of the Freeport trains are now on as well. Um, So we've got some added capacity Um, And the EIA is expecting flows to average more than nine BCF per day from December to February. So based on LNG demand and supply alone, the stage does look set for a vastly improved gas outlook for the winter and beyond. However, like in all winters, weather remains key. NOAA has indicated that we are in what is called a La Nina pattern. What this typically means is that colder than normal weather is likely in the northern U.S., while drier and warmer temperatures are likely for the southern states. Now whether this actually occurs is anyone's guess, but generally speaking it seems that Most in the market agreed that this winter should be colder than last year's. However, if you recall, last year was actually the second warmest winter in NOAA's 141-year history. Now, there's something else that needs to be considered, probably even more so than it was last year, and that is LNG demand actually makes up quite a significant portion, 10% of total U.S. demand. In addition to considering our demand here in the lower 48, you also have to consider what demand could look like overseas. That's become increasingly important to U.S. balances. And there's a whole set of factors that are in play in Europe and Asia that we'll just have to say for another podcast. But there are some things that I want to bring to your attention, just to keep in mind as we go through the next couple of months. Number one, you have to remember that COVID-19 really just exacerbated the supply glut that developed after last year's warm winter. That was true not just here in the U.S., but it was true in Europe and Asia, which are our two largest markets for U.S. LNG. You've also got higher pipeline flows in these regions, which could stem purchases from the lower 48. Although I should mention that no one's really expecting to see any meaningful cargo cancellations this winter, just something to keep in mind. You've also got some nuclear generation outages and some LNG outages overseas that will impact both supply and demand. Now, perhaps the biggest factor though is the unknown as it relates to COVID 19. The EIA said its own forecasts are subject to heightened uncertainty because we've still got mitigation efforts related to the pandemic that are continuing to evolve. You also can't rule out a potential second wave of the virus. Just here in the United States, New York, Officials are trying to determine whether they need to roll back the opening of businesses because they've seen a spike in cases in parts of Queens and Brooklyn. You've also had new outbreaks in Asia and in Europe. So you've got a lot of uncertainty coming in the next couple of months. But generally speaking, the gas market is expected to gradually tighten, with production expected to remain well off those late November 2019 highs. And of course, given the improved outlook for demand, the EIA is saying that gas prices should be north of $3 per MMBTU throughout 2021. It's expecting prices to average $3.13 in 2021, And that's up from a projected average of just $2.07 this year. Now, Morgan Stanley, they were a little bit more optimistic and said prices could even reach $5 if we get a colder than normal winter. Now, right now, prices are sitting a little bit more than half that level. So that's a pretty tall order. But NGI will be watching the markets closely, and you can read all about it in our daily gas price index. That's also where you'll find much of what I've talked about today. So I encourage you all to visit our website, naturalgasintel.com, and take a look. Believing that transparent markets empower businesses, communities, and economies, NGI works to provide natural gas transparency for the Americas. This podcast is a part of our efforts. I thank you for listening today to NGI's Hub and Flow. I ask that you all subscribe to our podcast and rate it and tell your colleagues about us. This is Letitia Gonzalez. I wish you all good health, and I look forward to speaking with you again next time. Take care.